The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord plant my feet on higher ground, Lord lift me up, Lord, lift me up and let me stand, my faith on Catch a gleam of glory bright, but still I'll pray till heaven I found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Jesus' disciples had seen it all. Crowds, crowds of 20 to 30,000 people. They'd seen huge numbers fed from just five little loaves and two fish. They'd seen the sick healed. They had watched the joy as a leper is touched by Jesus and healed. They had walked the dusty roads between Judea and Galilee. They had been on the lake in the boat when the waves began to wash over and swamp them, and they knew as fishermen They were lost if there was not a quick deliverance and they find Jesus sound asleep. They wake him up. He speaks and the waters and the wind all subside. And immediately they're at their destination. They had seen things that no man had ever seen. 
They knew that Jesus had said he was the Christ, the Messiah. They believed that he was going to set up his kingdom. They believed that they were to be a key part of that kingdom. They even had some of the disciples, James and John, asking, can we sit one at your right and one at your left in the in the kingdom? In other words, positions of authority and power. They left behind their families. Peter was married. He left her at home. They had businesses. They were commercial fishermen. They took their catch to Magdala, right on the Sea of Galilee, where the fish were processed. It was one of the largest fish processing plants anywhere in that whole geographic area. And the fish were then directly sent to Rome to be sold in the markets. These men, and now women following, helping to pay for the expenses of Jesus and the disciples out of their own income. It was a whole movement. And now Jesus is telling them that he's going to leave. What? After more than three years of living with this man they've come to love, they've seen the miracles. They've experienced his compassion and his mercy. They've also seen his sternness with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This man was telling them, I'm going to leave you. We find it in John, the 13th chapter. Simon Peter responds, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stay with you. But he's telling them he's going to die. That he's going to be crucified. How is that possible? The Messiah doesn't die. The Messiah sets up a throne. All of their expectations are being cast aside and crushed. And now in chapter 14... Jesus begins to address these issues very directly. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Their heart was very troubled. Jesus was not meeting their expectations. He was saying something very different than what they thought would happen. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? You can see them shaking their heads. Yes, we believe in God. Over three years, prove we believe in God and we believe in you. And he says, believe also in me. Yes, we believe in you, Jesus. And then Jesus says, in my father's house are many mansions. Some would translate that in my father's house are many rooms. I don't care if it's a room or a mansion. I just want to be there. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, 
that where I am, there ye may be also. Now suddenly comfort begins to flow into their hearts because they recognize they are not forgotten. They are not left out. They are included in Jesus' plans. And he is planning for them to live in heaven with him, in the kingdom. Now they may not understand all of that yet, And then he says, And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Thomas, Mr. Logical. We don't know where you're going, Jesus, so how do we know the way? Suddenly, Jesus is telling them, You're going to come where I am. You know the way to get there. No, we don't know the way to get there. John 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, or I am the path, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. And Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and that's sufficient for us. Lord, show us the Father. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou, show us the Father? Jesus is saying, look, you've walked with me. You've seen what I do. You've, you know me. The Father is just like me. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're the same. And then comes verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. In other words, you've seen what I have done. You've seen the lepers healed. You've seen the sea calmed. You've seen the crowds fed. You've seen the dead raised. Believe on me. Now here's the great issue that I want to address today. The cardinal sin of the American church is that we do not believe Jesus. Unbelief is the cardinal sin. For if we do not believe in Jesus, we cannot go his way, believe his truth, or have his life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is only one way into heaven, and that way is Jesus Christ. He is the way. Now, I can hear some of you say, Pastor, come on. 
we believe in Jesus. Do you? Let's continue reading in context. Verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. Now wait. Jesus is equating believing in him with doing what he has been doing. I've been embarrassed many times in my life by praying for someone praying that they would be healed and they weren't, praying for this and that, and it never happened. One man came to the National Prayer Chapel. He wanted to pray for everybody. Everybody who had a sickness, he wanted to pray for him. He wanted to lay hands on him. He wanted to pray for him. He said, if I do this enough, finally Jesus will begin to answer. Wrong. wrong how many hundreds and hundreds of people have i prayed for and occasionally i've seen someone healed and i'm very grateful for those occasional times when i pray a prayer of faith and there is a miraculous healing i've been praying for a man by the name of charles burke got a note pray brain and heart issues pray for his health I've been praying for Charles Burke's health but I haven't received any notice back that he's either died or he's been healed now stay with me don't get lost Jesus continues And I will pray the Father, this is John 14, verse 16, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Another comforter. Jesus is a comforter. That comforter is saying, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to my Father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. But I'm going to send you another comforter. even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither does it know him but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you i will not leave you comfortless i will come to you Now, I've read this passage of Scripture so many times, and I've been so troubled by it. I love Jesus with all of my heart, and I believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I confess him as my Lord and as my Savior. He's changed my life. He has 
taken away the man of sin. He's caused me to walk clean before him. But there's this issue of the comforter, the spirit of truth. It says, The world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, nor does it know him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I do not have the fullness of that experience. And so I come back, and he said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall be, he shall also do. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. He's not saying, I'm expecting you to go out and in the power of your own spirit, I'm expecting you to do the works that I've been doing in the earth. No, he's saying, I'm going to send you a comforter, a spirit of truth. You don't have to figure all of this out. Verse 26 makes it even more clear. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. So the answer is the Holy Spirit. But if I've read correctly the scriptures in John the 14th chapter, Jesus is saying that if I do not do the same things he did, It's because I don't believe in him. But in order to do the same things that he did, I have to have the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. Now, in John, the 15th chapter, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me or remains in me And I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Well, Jesus is gone. And I haven't been able to do anything. Or very little. How about you? Have you been able to do the works that Jesus was doing? Have you been able to do much? Be honest. And then we find in the 16th chapter of John, I'll begin reading with verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And he's going to tell them this because sorrow has filled their heart. Sorrow has filled their heart. So he says, I'll tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. All of that he's going to do through you because the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to dwell in you. This belief issue is so painful and so difficult for us in America because, can I be really straight? We've enjoyed a wonderful lifestyle. 
We don't have to worry very much about food and water and housing. Sometimes we do, but most, most of you don't. We're very busy. We have work and social activities and plans and places to go and things to do and it consumes our time and we get up and we go to bed, we get up and we go to bed and our day has been filled with all the activities and we might have had some thoughts about Jesus somewhere along in the day. We might have even sat down and read 10 minutes or 15 minutes of scripture. Now I'm not describing my life. My life is different. It is utterly given over to Jesus. And I spend the greatest part of my day now in scripture and prayer waiting on the Holy Spirit's coming because I know I can do nothing without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. One pastor of a large local church has been preaching now three sermons saying that the power of the Holy Spirit stopped moving after the New Testament church in the book of Acts, that it's not for us today. Now, why would he say such a thing? Well, obviously, because he doesn't have the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and he needs to come up with some theological rationale or reason for why he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. So, okay, let's just say that we don't have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit withdrew and we can't have him anymore. Boy, if that's true, Jesus was not telling us the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to send this comforter to you, and then I'm going to bring about conviction. And it will be through you that I will bring that conviction. Conviction of sin. So when the Holy Spirit comes to the church through a person, look, this is not the Holy Spirit floating down out of the sky somewhere and landing on somebody. This is through people who have been cleansed from all sin by the blood of Jesus, who have heart purity, who are victorious day by day in their walk with Jesus, who are entirely sanctified, those people are then filled with the Holy Spirit. And unbelief in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is the cardinal sin of the church in America today. And so we have substituted, instead of Jesus, we have strategies and plans and fundraising campaigns. We have every kind of foolish thing. What are we going to do? We're not getting the work done. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not moving in Washington, D.C. Fountains, geysers of vile wickedness are exploding everywhere in our culture. 
Where is the restraining power of the Holy Spirit? Where are the godly people who are filled with the Spirit who are out doing the same things Jesus did? They're not there. And even those who say they have been baptized in the Holy Spirit are primarily talking about an ecstatic religious experience that comforts their heart, but through which they received no power to heal the sick. They received no power to convert the lost. They just have a much closer walk with Jesus. And for that, I'm very grateful. I want you to have a close walk with Jesus. But there's a problem if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The norm for the New Testament church was full baptism by the Holy Spirit with purity and with power. So we come to the book of Acts. Chapter 1, verse 4, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, He ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. I've put all of my plans on hold. I've put the National Prayer Chapel on hold. I've been commanded by the Lord, wait upon the Lord. And so I'm waiting on the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for power, for purity, for the old nature to be utterly, totally, completely removed from my heart, to be given the power of ministry. Now, the testimony of many men who have in various places received this baptism, including the Argentine revival or the Welsh revival, that the pastor said, I was preaching the same sermon I was preaching before, but now suddenly there is deep conviction of sin and men and women are turning to Jesus Many men and women are turning to Jesus. The book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power, dunamis, the word we receive, dynamite. You shall receive dynamite, power, after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall witness unto me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And those were the last words Jesus spoke to his disciples. As he spoke those words, he ascended into the sky. He was taken up from them into heaven. And they went to an upper room. And they stayed in that upper room. And they prayed. Now, who was welcome to join them in the upper room? I don't know. But about 120 people gathered in that upper room. Women, men, 
I don't know if children were there. The scriptures don't say. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication or entreaty. Asking for the gift that Jesus had promised. Now please hear what I'm trying to say to you today. It is not sufficient for you to say, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is sufficient for the first step to be brought into the fullness of Jesus Christ and to be baptized in water for the remission of sin but it is not the full gift of Jesus. And he said, if you believe in me, you will do the same things I've been doing and even greater. Now, I know how utterly foolish what I'm saying sounds like for you. But please, could I give you an example of what I'm talking about? When I was in college, I was a theology major. And there were different majors on campus. There was a a group of men and women who were studying to be medical professionals, doctors, nurses, lab techs. But the ones on campus who were the most popular were the med students. They usually drove the nice sports cars. They had rich mamas and daddies. They were on their way to a life of leisure in that day. Hard work, but money. On campus, theology students were scorned. We were looked upon as the scum. We were not respected. Now, as I graduated, just the very first inklings of the Jesus movement were beginning to emerge. And just before graduation, I was invited to a room full of pagan men who said, Ray, would you pray with us? We don't know how to pray. And so I talked with them about prayer, and we began to pray together 10 o'clock every night in one of the dorm rooms, and it would be jammed with guys. But overall, there was no inkling of any change occurring on that campus. I went off to seminary. I finished my graduate degree in two years. I came back to a pastorate. And then I came back to the college to visit. And I found the college campus utterly revolutionized. As soon as college kids saw me, they said, Ray, come, we want to pray with you. And I went to a room they had designated on campus as a prayer room. And it was jammed with young people, earnestly, with weeping, 
crying out to God, repenting of their sin, and asking me if I would pray with them. What was the change? One could hardly imagine it. It was beyond my understanding. The Holy Spirit was being poured out in America in the Jesus movement. And the whole attitude changed. Everything was now focused on Jesus. Now, look, our culture is not focused on Jesus. Our churches are not focused on Jesus. We have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes, everything will change in our culture. Right now, the abortionists have the day. Every pervert has his way. Every unclean thing is lifted up. That day is going to change. There will be a day when Jesus will be the topic of conversation on men's lips in Washington, D.C. And everyone will be asking, did you go last night to the revival meetings? It will be the topic of conversation in the news. Now you say, how is that possible? By the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm not just on some wild goose chase. It's the intent of the Lord to bring the Holy Spirit in great power to America to change from darkness to light, to turn the hearts of men and women back to righteousness. Don't just blow this off. Seek now the fullness of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost power and purity. I read in Acts, the second chapter, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. This is assembly power. Where a group of people come together and they begin to wait on the Holy Spirit. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were dwelling Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised about, the multitudes came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. They were amazed. God stepping into time and space and history with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. It is going to happen again. You can trust Jesus will do this. Now Peter preaches to them. He preaches Joel to them. And I want to read it to you. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. We're in that last day, my brother, my sister. 
Now is the time to expect this prophecy to be fulfilled once more. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That is, your sons and your daughters are going to preach. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. That didn't happen. That didn't happen in the first coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. It will happen the next time. Now is the time. We are in the last day. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. These signs of the sun turned to darkness, the moon to blood, the earth shaken. I believe those are all going to come very quickly after the Holy Spirit is poured out one last time, as Joel is speaking of here. And men and women are going to have one last call. I want to be a part of that call. I pray that revival will break out even as I'm preaching on this radio. Alexandra and I constantly lift up our hearts to Jesus, praying, Oh God, come. Come in power on the radio. Heal the sick who are listening to the radio. Convict them of their sin. Cause them to finally begin to believe in the name of Jesus and wait upon him for the Holy Spirit. You cannot believe in Jesus. You cannot believe in Jesus and not do what he said you were to do. Because you know now to wait on him for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Now he preaches unto them. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's Holy Spirit power. If the Holy Spirit had not been moving in power, those people would have walked away and said, You're crazy. But suddenly, because the Holy Spirit has come, everything is different. Everything changed. Suddenly, with the Holy Spirit, men believe on Jesus Christ. Men believe on Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit has come. Unbelief rules the day in the church in America because there is no Holy Spirit power and presence. We need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. 
I need the power and presence. So I've been going through the fire. If you decide that you're going to go after the Holy Spirit in power, you're going to go through the fire too. The devil will bring every accusation. He will bring every hardship. He will do everything he can to turn you aside. He will tell you you're being foolish, that the Bible is lying to you, that Jesus will not send the Holy Spirit. Now I have some experience I'll very quickly share with you. In the past, I have stood by faith for very specific things, desperately needed things, whether money for food or car, a wife, a house to live in, whatever is, whatever was the need, a direction for ministry, whatever the need was, I would begin to pray about that and cry out to God about that. And it would seem that there was no answer from heaven. And the devil would come and say, he's not going to answer you. You might as well stop praying. He's not going to answer. And so you're down on your knees and you're crying out to Jesus and you feel like your prayer is not going higher than the roof. It bounces back at you, in fact. And you say, what's the use of praying? God's not going to answer. That's unbelief. Belief says, I know what the promise of God is. I'm going to read it aloud to him. And so I read aloud the promise of God. The promise of God, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost parts of the earth. And I can read many other passages that say the same thing. And they waited on God. They prayed. They stood in belief that Jesus' promises were true that he would do what he said he would do. He is a covenant-keeping God. Unbelief tells you it's useless, it's hopeless. Look at the devastation. Look at the destruction. I just very recently, my sweetheart said to me, Ray, what are we going to eat this week? The cupboards are bare. What are we going to eat? Well, we're going to pray. And in answer to our prayer, very soon came exactly what we needed to refill our cupboards. That's called living by faith. Sometimes it's a long time waiting for that prayer to be answered. But you don't go away. You stand on the promise. And do you know what? Whether my prayer is answered or not, I will believe in Jesus Christ because I have experienced his love and his mercy and his kindness. He has answered 
so many prayers through the years. It's only been my foolishness and my shallowness that has blinded me to the desperate need for the Holy Spirit to be poured out to even begin to deal with the powers and authorities in heavenly places that rule Washington, D.C. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. I want to tell you always when Jesus has answered my prayers, it has been suddenly. I love the word sudden, unexpected, quick. It's as though with one sweep of his hand, everything changes. He is going to pour out his Holy Spirit. And as he's poured out his Holy Spirit, as Peter has proclaimed the gospel, men and women have been pricked in their hearts. Their conscience has stirred them to action. And they ask Peter and the other apostles, what must we do? Not just the apostles. There were 120 people there filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And they were understanding the tongues. And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, or the removal of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want you to note, repentance is necessary, turning away from our unbelief. To be in unbelief is a choice. We have to turn away from that unbelief and to repent. That is, to turn with a sharp twist away from your former behavior. Now, please, one of the great problems we're facing is wrong thinking about God. We think He's somewhere high up in the sky, He's inaccessible. He's given us this message and we're supposed to preach the gospel and live out of the church. So we've set up our institutions and we've set up our programs and they're all dead. It's like my car. Right now my battery or alternator has died. Do you think I can get in that car and be comfortable and and say, come on, let's go. No, the alternator has to be repaired or the battery has to be replaced. You cannot move in the power of the Holy Spirit until you have repented of your sin and your sins have been washed away. Then you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So revival that we speak so much about on this broadcast is coming into a conviction of sin. Finally, thinking correctly about our condition before God and not pretending that everything is fine just because the programs are rolling along and my life seems full of activity and busy. No repentance is required. And with that repentance will come 
an intense burning desire to live in complete, full obedience to Jesus Christ. It means literally giving up our will to God's will. It means humbling our hearts before him. See, unbelief is a way of thinking. Unbelief is wrong thinking, shallow thinking. That's why as we read the scriptures, we hear Peter saying, the promise of the Holy Spirit is unto you and your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I'm far off from Israel, but I have heard the call of God. And I am eligible for the Holy Spirit. And I'm now waiting, patiently waiting, on what I know God is going to do. And I am so eager to come on air and share the story of what God does when he brings this to pass. (laughs) See, normal life in the church is Holy Spirit power in the church doing the same things that Jesus did while he was on the earth, fulfilling the great commission, healing the sick, raising the dead, ministering to the needs of people, teaching the gospel of Jesus and having men and women confess their sins and repent and turn aside from the powers of darkness to renounce the evil of the television, to turn off all the sports, to give up all the things of this world and earnestly seek after Jesus with all of your heart. See, a time's coming when everything's going to change. But will you be a part of that? Or will it be too late because your heart has become so hard? You don't want to hear it. We're close to that day of the coming of the Son of Man. Will the Lord find faith on the earth? That is the key question. Or are we going to be walking in the way of the world in unbelief and shallowness wrong thinking oh Lord I pray today for every person listening to this broadcast I pray that you will move quickly in their hearts that if they need to repent they will do so renouncing everything of this world everything of the flesh everything of the devil and earnestly search after you Jesus And for those precious ones who love Jesus, who are sacrificially giving of their time and money and energy for the work of the gospel, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, I pray, Lord, that as they wait, you will encourage them and that you will baptize them in the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I think of specific ones, Chuck, 
Patricia, Leslie. Lord, the list could go on and on. Peter. Lord, so many are earnestly waiting upon you for all that you have for them, recognizing that we are not anything special, but out of your great love you desire to pour out your Holy Spirit on this day and in this hour that men and women could do the works that you did and relieve the pain and anguish of many souls and bring them into the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I want your kingdom to rule over this earth. Lord, I want your kingdom to rule over this earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I'm Ray Greenley. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. We're from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you. If this broadcast is encouraging your heart and helping you on the journey, I'd like to hear from you. Please write to me, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Also, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can follow us on YouTube, You can follow us on Twitter. There are many resources on the webpage. My brother, my sister, do you believe in Jesus? Are you doing what Jesus did when he was on the earth? Will you wait for the Holy Spirit? God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able Keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of